Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the new Fox Sports app. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else. Primarily, but not exclusively, involving the NBA. And that is here. The subject of this episode is one I promised a listener who reached out to me via social media to address. And that's the new rule interpretation and how it's impacting James Harden and some of the other perennial top scorers in the league the last few years. Now, I don't know if where I go with this is what T-Walk was hoping for, but here goes, and the main thrust is as simple as this. What the new rule interpretation has exposed are the players that became more proficient at acting than scoring. And the Brooklyn Nets have evidence of it. what it means to be a scorer who would be one in any generation and one that found a way to exploit the NBA's paranoia about contact for the last decade or so that resulted in any move toward the basket uh, that resulted in some sort of contact being accompanied by a whistle. For those who may not be aware, all of this is a byproduct of the league becoming terrified of players getting into shoving matches that spilled into the stands. There was actually two parts. One, the game was grinding to a halt. Scores were in the 80s and the 90s, and anybody who went into the paint got knocked around like a pinball. They wanted to change that. They wanted to open up the game. They wanted to make it more offensively oriented because offense sells. And all of this was coming on the heels of Michael Jordan's retirement. So they needed something that was going to sell the game because their bell cow was retiring. But there was also very much the fear uh, that the shoving matches, the occasional shoving matches that spilled into the stands were giving a terrible look to the viewing audience and their corporate sponsors. Now, I'm not going to label them as fights or brawls because for the most part, they looked like my kids' soccer games when they first started playing. A 
big ball of bodies and limbs flailing away, for the most part not actually making contact with anyone or anything. To be clear, the league wasn't worried about another Rudy Tomjanovich, Kermit Washington incident, as much as they didn't like the visual of their courtside seat patrons, mostly white, with terrified looks on their faces as a group of mostly large, angry black men threatened to spill into their laps. So, they steadily but surely excised emotional reactions and physical interactions out of the game until we had what we had for most of this century, which is basically touch-free basketball. Eh, maybe the last century is a little, little long, certainly the last six, seven years. But we've moved in this direction, and now here we are, or at least where we were. Now, free throws over that time, over that 20-year span, have steadily gone down, as have fouls. And field goals have risen over the last 20 years. Why? You would think it would be the opposite, right? Well, it's because defenders just stopped trying as hard to defend. What was the point? It has become a game of let them score and quickly inbound and hope to get it back at the other end, rather than... Can we see if we can lock down? But there were still the artists, most notably James Harden, who figured out how to force contact from a defender in a variety of ways, even if the defender was doing everything he could to avoid it. Harden's free throw attempts went from single digits in OKC his first three years in the league to double digits seven of the next eight years in Houston. His three-point percentage remained fairly static, actually, but the number he took increased along with his free throw attempts because defenders had to give up one or the other, and more often than not, they would opt to give him the three. The proof that Harden has been a scorer aided by trickeration rather than by pure scoring ability, is reflected by what we're seeing his Brooklyn Nets teammate, Kevin Durant, doing under the new rules interpretation, which is he's thriving. His 27.7 point scoring average right now is his highest in the last five years, not counting the year he missed with a torn Achilles. His free throws have stayed right around the same, per game, roughly a half dozen, which is where they've been the previous six years. KD's actually averaging fewer threes this year than he has in the last seven years. And my guess it's because defenders are being allowed to defend at the three-point line more honestly. And as a result, KD is getting run off the arc or choosing not to have to shoot up and over somebody. Being KD, that's not a problem because he has one of the greatest mid-range games that we've ever seen and has always looked to finish at the rim, avoiding contact if he can, not inviting or creating it. And that only makes sense, of course, because of how he's built. Harden is a Mack truck to KD's praying mantis. So it makes sense that Harden would be more comfortable and durable, getting tangled up going to the basket. The absence of whistles 
isn't having any effect on Durant at all, unless it's a positive one. Because he's actually scoring better than ever inside the arc. His 58% shooting is far and away the best of his career. Now, I focused my attention for this exercise on Harden, even though there are an array of other top scorers in recent years who have fallen off dramatically, in large part because they're not getting to the free throw line. That includes Trey Young and Damian Lillard, to name two. I've watched both of them, less so Trey. For whatever reason, I just I don't feel ready to dive into the Hawks. I've been very interested to see what the Blazers are and what Lillard is because of the addition of Chauncey Billups. I feel like we're not really going to find out about the Hawks and whether they're taking a step forward until we actually get to the playoffs. That's when the that's when they're going to be defined. That's when the proving ground arrives for the Atlanta Hawks. So, uh, but in any case, I haven't watched Lillard or anybody else with the express purpose of seeing how they were accommodating the new rules. I went back and did that with Harden. Yes, you're welcome. And this is what bothers me about him complaining that the refs are not calling fouls that are still clearly fouls. He's using them as a scapegoat because in no way is he playing with the same aggression. Now, some of that is because of KD and his excellent play. He's initiating the offense more than I remember last year. And that's where another player comes in as a factor, and that's Kyrie Irving being unavailable. Because I would imagine that has opened the door to KD being an initiator more than he otherwise would. They don't really have another point guard other than Harden. KD is also on fire and seemingly unstoppable. So it's natural that with him taking up right where he left off in Tokyo for Team USA, the ball is going to find its way into his hands earlier and more often on every possession. Another part of it is that Harden is genuinely for whatever reason, trying to be or trying to play point guard and be magnanimous. He's passing it ahead at every opportunity. He's swinging it from side to side, basically facilitating far more than looking for his own shot or attempting to break someone down and then look to get somebody a shot. I don't know how much of that is by design and how much of it is that he looks to be carrying extra weight and not in ideal condition and doesn't have the current stamina to be in attack mode throughout the game the way we have seen previously. But I'd venture to guess he has attempted to finish around the rim or with floaters no more than a handful of times in every game. I also can't help but wonder if the Nets are using him as a big man defender guarding the likes of P.J. Tucker and Miles Turner and Giannis Antetokounmpo because of that extra weight. It does make him harder to move, and he's not asked to run around as much as he would on the perimeter. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, this is the basic hardened script that I've seen so far this season. He'll attempt a drive early on in the first quarter, snap his head or throw his arms to feign or exaggerate contact, and if he doesn't get a whistle, he seems to concede that he's never going to get one. And so what's the point of attacking the paint or the rim then anyway? The one game he has shot a slew of free throws against the Indiana Pacers, he was legitimately fouled on his first drive, and there was no call. He and Steve Nash complained long and loud, and they were right in doing so. Harden got raked across the arms, I believe it was by Chris Duarte, on a drive, and as I said, there was no call. But unlike previous games, after complaining, maybe because of what he heard, Harden continued to attack, and the referees more than compensated for the first missed call. Maybe he continued to attack because the very next call was highly questionable. A touch foul, if anything, and it went his way. Maybe that emboldened him. In any case, it was back to the old days. Harden barreling into defenders or getting a whistle as soon as he flailed his arms. Between that and Duarte putting his rookie status on full display by reaching in needlessly, time after time, in needless situations and finishing with a season-high five fouls, Harden shot 19 free throws, making 16. That's more attempts than his six other games combined and matches the total of makes for the other six games as well. What has been exposed, so far this season anyway, is that Harden developed the habit of seeking contact or pretending that there was contact without really looking to shoot the ball. As a result, when the whistle doesn't blow, there isn't even a shot attempt. And I'm talking about uh, shots outside, basically shots at the rim, anytime he would attack. Three-point shots is a little bit different in that he was legitimately shooting, but also looking to find a way to finish the shot and make contact. In any case, now that the whistle is not blowing, there isn't even a shot attempt, which is why he's averaging the fewest shot attempts in the last 12 years. Against the Miami Heat, early on, first quarter, drove against Kyle Lowry. The two kind of bumped at the free throw line, chest to chest, Lowry cutting off his drive, and Harden, after snapping his head and looking for the call, simply gave up on the drive. The next two times he drove, he simply lost the ball off the dribble, acting as if he'd been fouled in both instances, but re- replay showed he'd either been kicked, picked clean or simply lost the ball out of bounds. Finally, midway through the second quarter, he drove, 
snapped his head when he was bumped around the free throw line, but then kept going when there was no whistle and wound up, lo and behold, with a dunk. Now, he only shot three free throws for the game, and he was actually gifted one of them on a three-point attempt. He was challenged by Duncan Robinson on the play, and Harden jumped, shot, and then lifted both legs forward so that they touched down inside the three-point line. Now, some guys land in front of where they take off to varying degrees on their jump shot, but it's not an efficient way to shoot from long range, and I've never seen him take a shot that way ever, Harden, that is. He's pretty much up and down as if he were in a phone booth. It's his arms that he's used in the past to create contact, as he did in the Pacers game and was rewarded, again, dubiously. But that was the theme of that night. Robinson turned sideways and tiptoed past him, never actually making contact, but Harden made it appear as if Duncan didn't give him enough landing space. I didn't think it merited a foul. Refs thought otherwise. Bottom line, one of his three free throws was actually a gift. Now, I'm not sure why, but Basketball Reference projected Harden to average 28.6 points this season, his highest average since he led the league in Houston three years in a row, averaging more than 30 points all three seasons. I'm guessing Basketball Reference was not anticipating the change in rule interpretation because he's averaging 18 points right now. And for that to go up, he's going to have to start finishing through contact at the rim because it has been at least six years since any sort of mid-range arsenal was part of his game. That's where he is far different from Kyrie or KD. When they get within 15 to 18 feet of the hoop, they are more than happy to pull up and let it fly. Harden gets to that distance, and he's not even looking at the rim. I'm going to attribute it to the Mike D'Antoni effect, or the Daryl Morey effect in Houston, where it was all threes and all layups, or shots at the rim. The analytical effect, if you will. If Harden gets to the paint, he's looking for a baseline cutter or someone spotted up at the three-point arc. Now, can he make the adjustment? Can he attack the rim and finish through contact? Well, as I said, he's built for it. And the drive and dunk against Miami is evidence that he's beginning to shake his old habits. How long it takes is the big question, and if it will be enough to get him and the Brooklyn Nets where they want to go. He, of course, is hardly alone. There are a whole host of players whose performance is critical to their team's success, players who are currently not getting to the free throw line and scoring nowhere near the same pace. Trey, as I mentioned, Lillard, who has gone from third last season currently 42nd in points per game and I don't want to hear anything about Lillard should have left or he should leave this really spins that whole story on its head Lillard has to improve or adapt to the new rules in order to continue to still be Dame Dalla Luka Doncic has fallen from 6th last year to 24th Bradley Beal has slid from 2nd to 14th. Joel Embiid, 4th to 28th. 
The player that could be affected the most, though, might just be Zion Williamson. He finished 8th in scoring last season with 27 points a game. Six of those came from the free throw line. Unlike any of the others mentioned here, he has no mid-range or three-point shooting to turn to for his scoring. He will still be getting to the rim and finishing, especially quick jumping and putting back his own misses. And you would think with his size, he will always have an advantage finishing with contact. But if it doesn't produce foul trouble and bonus points at the free throw line, will that ability have the same worth or impact on the Pelicans' overall chances? I, for one, will be fascinated to find out. And hopefully, we get a chance to do that sooner rather than later. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It would appear it looks like it's time to drop in on the Boston Celtics and assess exactly what's going on there in Beantown. Been meaning to do it for a couple episodes now. I think I've even promised it at one point, but now that we have Marcus Smart calling out Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for their shot selection at the end of games, particularly after they just got run by the Chicago Bulls, particularly in the fourth quarter. I believe the scoring was 34-9. to Time to take a close look at what Dennis Schroeder is doing there, what Marcus Smart is complaining about, along with some other nuggets that I have for you that, uh, that I've been hearing around the league when it comes to the Celtics. All of that, if nothing changes between now and then, in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.